This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Good morning, everybody. So excited to be with you today. Uh, If you're brand new, I want to welcome you again to New Life. My name is Kevin. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'll be guiding us for the next, I don't know, 30, 35 minutes as we continue to engage with God. So it's going to be a great time. You're going to want to grab a few things out of your program just to get us all on the same page as we start this journey together. The first is this card that says Start Here. Uh, It's just a connection card. It helps you have access to our pastoral team so we can pray for you. We can support you. We can partner with you in any way that you would like. Uh, It gives you some next steps and ways to uh, apply the things that you're learning today through church. It's just a great way to stay in contact. So go ahead and put your name and your email address on that, and then we'll be passing some baskets a little later. You can drop this in the basket. The other thing you're going to want are our teaching notes. They've got the Bible verses we're looking at today. Uh, They've got some fill in the blanks. They've got just some things for us to be thinking about as we work through the topic of today. And hey, I don't know about you, but wasn't last weekend so fun with Susan preaching? Wasn't that awesome? I loved it. That was so, so good. If you missed it last week, I want you to go back. We talked about family and and, uh, our family ministries pastor, Susan, was sharing just some ideas on ways to hedge our bets to help our, our children and families engage with God. And she was talking about things like being authentic and being transparent and being vulnerable in front of our kids because they can just smell it when we're being inauthentic. She was talking about creating environments for our kids to encounter God. And, and I really, I loved that. And so I went home this week and I was thinking, I want to be that kind of dad. Like I want to create environments where my kids can encounter God. I want to be vulnerable and authentic in my journey with God. And then I was thinking, I want to, like, I want to create a song uh, about this. You know, I'm not usually a musical guy, but I thought I want to create a song about this. So here's what I'm working on. I just want you to know so that when it goes viral on YouTube, you'll know that I was the first one to think about this. Okay. Just so you know. Now, uh, I warn you, it's, it's a rough, it's a rough draft. So don't like, you know, don't judge me too harshly. Something like this. Watch me read. Watch me pray, pray, right? Watch me read, read. Watch me pray, pray. And then I say, hey, watch me, watch me. This is how this song. Now, I know why you're not clapping. It's not done yet. It's not done yet. But like, God is Superman. Like, I'm going to do, I've got this whole thing planned out. So thank you. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about it. So I shared this with my wife on Friday. We were driving to the beach and, and she just stared at me and she said, I, she said, I don't understand how your mind comes up with these things. And I chose to see that as a compliment. So I said, thank you. Thank you very much. So anyway, uh, when I get this song written, maybe we'll just have like a whole crew. You can be my background singers on stage and we can do the read, pray, pray. I'm pretty excited about it. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. I just wanted you to know that we don't just encourage you to keep thinking about stuff from Sunday. I'm thinking about this stuff all week long. Like how, how can we create the read, pray, pray? So anyway, um, well, on that note, uh, we are in a series called God Never Said That. We're talking about some, maybe some misconceptions on the read, pray, pray. That's so good. Some, some, miscon- oh, yeah. some misconceptions that we think God said this, but what if God didn't say this? What if God said something just a little different than that? Because if we start at one point and we're off just a few degrees, by the time we walk that out, we find ourselves in a whole different area. We can find ourselves, if we think God promised things that God never promised, or said things God never said, or, or did things that God never said he would do for us, we can find ourselves in a good starting place, but then actually ending disillusioned, frustrated with God, hurt because 
we think, well, God promised that, and then God didn't come through on his promise. But the truth is, maybe God never said that. And this is just, it's human nature. Whatever we think affects what we do. And as followers of Jesus, whatever we think about God affects our day-to-day lives. And so we've just been exploring eight misconceptions, some ideas that what if, what if God never actually said that? What if what God said was just a little bit different than that? Because it can play out totally differently. Today, what we're going to talk about is we're going to ask this question. Did God really say that forgiving means forgetting? That forgiving and forgetting are synonyms. Did God actually say that? If you've ever gotten into a disagreement with your spouse, that's what Christians, that's what we call fights, a disagreement. You know, where you're like yelling and screaming and disagreeing heavily. Uh, Have you ever gotten into a disagreement with your spouse and you realize partway through, maybe you were on a drive, just hypothetically, on a drive, steaming about it, and you realized, I'm the jerk. That's right. Now I recognize the problem. It was my fault. You go back to your spouse and you say, I am so sorry. Will you please forgive me? And you go through this process. They forgive you, but then they still seem hurt. You're left scratching your head. I'm talking to guys right now. You're left scratching your head thinking, you said you forgave me. You can't still be hurt. You forgave, right? If you've ever thought that, then you've, you've bought into this. Forgiving means forgetting. If you've ever been really hurt by someone, they've wounded you deeply. They've betrayed your trust. They've hurt you. And you think to yourself, I want, I want to forgive you. I do. I want to forgive you. But you find yourself still having these feelings, still having this pain, still having this, this hurt or this wounding that keeps coming up. Listen, the only way that you can forget certain, certain wrongs, certain wounds, would be to shove those things so deep into your subconscious that it will create an unhealthy gap in reality. And if you can't do that, if you can't just shove it so deep, bury it so far into your subconscious that you forget about it, which, by the way, is not healthy because it's still there. It's just shoved down deep. If you can't do that, then you think to yourself, well, I must not have forgiven that person because the pain is still so real. It's still so raw. It's still here. And if I can't forget, what's the point in trying to forgive? You see, this is the situation that we fall into when we think that forgiving means forgetting. Where do we get this idea? Well, again, all of the things we're talking about, we find a a kernel of truth in the Bible about them. And there are really two key verses that have really played out this idea. One in the Old Testament of the Bible, one in the New Testament of the Bible. And on first glance, they seem to say that forgiving does mean forgetting. But what I said in the beginning of our series was anytime you take one verse of the Bible, one verse of scripture and make that your verse and pull it out of context and don't look at the whole of the Bible, it becomes a weapon, right? And we begin to like stab each other with our very own little Bible verse. So what we want to do is zoom way out and ask, is that really what God's trying to say? In your notes, you have Hebrews chapter 8. This is where we get this idea. It's also in Jeremiah chapter 31. And it's God talking, or, or the author of Hebrews speaking on behalf of God, quoting God and saying this, I will forgive their wickedness. I will remember their sins no more. Now, on first glance, that seems, seems to say Well, when God forgives, he also chooses to forget. And if you're here and you're a Jesus follower, you and I would both say, well, well, if God forgives and chooses to forget, then I want to do that. I want to do what God does. I'm trying to follow God. I mean, 
That's what a follower does. They follow. But there are at least two problems with this. One is that doesn't line up with human experience. You and I know that there are some wounds, some pain, some hurt, some betrayal that you, you just won't ever forget. Being abused physically, emotionally, sexually, being betrayed by someone that you love deeply. When those words from death do, till death do us part turn into I never really loved you. When, when you hear those words, you can't, you can't forget the pain of that moment. So human experience is our first problem, but we can't stop there because this actually isn't, that's not what God is saying in this passage. See, this is uh, an old Hebrew expression, I will remember their sins no more. And what the author is saying, we tend to translate as forget. Some of your Bibles might say, and I will forget their sins. But that's not actually what God's saying in this passage. That expression, remember their sins no more, it actually means I will choose not to define them by that sin. I'll choose not to define them by that sin. See, when God forgives, this is in your notes, what he's doing is he's not forgetting, he's choosing not to define us by our worst moment. Because the truth is, God can't forget. God is all-knowing. He's not, he's not like Barney Fife fumbling his way through life. And some of you are thinking, who's Barney Fife? Okay, if you're under 30, he's not like Phil Dumphy bumbling his way through life. That's not God. God's not some absent-minded professor thinking, okay, what now? What did you do again that made me so angry? That's not God. God knows everything. When God forgives... He chooses not to define you and I by our worst moment, which is so different, by the way, than how we often define ourselves and how the devil often defines us. We spoke a few, what, a month and a half ago in our series on the invisible war about the fact that the devil, he condemns us. So he takes our worst moment and he says, you are the sum and total of your worst moment. That's condemnation. By the way, for some of us in this room, that's the way we view ourselves. We take our worst moment and we define ourselves by that. I, I used to have people tell me, you just have to learn how to forgive yourself. And that kind of seemed like, like, I don't know, without offending too many people, um, like mumbo jumbo. Is that the right? Like, it's like hippy dippy, oh, I got to forgive myself. It's like, I can't forgive myself. I was a jerk. But I realized that forgiving is not the same as forgetting. It just means I'm not going to define myself by that moment. I had three of those this morning. Three. Lost my keys. Already running late to church. I know none of you have ever experienced that. <laughs> Forgive yourself. And be on time. Um, running late to church. Lost my keys. Looking everywhere in the house. The kids are trying to help. They're, you know, helping. And I'm like, okay, here's what we're going to do, kids. It's a fun game. We're not going to talk at all. We're just going to look, okay? You don't need your mouth to look. Just look. That's what I gently, right? Watch me read. Watch me pray, pray, okay? So we're going to have a fun little scavenger hunt. Finally found my keys after like 10 minutes. So now I'm like a half hour late to when I wanted to be at church. On the way, I haven't had much coffee at that point, so I'm like, I'm just going to have a sip of coffee, pull out my travel mug, go to drink. Somehow, I, I thought my mouth was like six inches further than my mouth actually was, and it's like, psh, coffee all over my shirt, driving in my car. Like, are you serious? 
That's why I still have paper towel on here because I washed it off. It's like, oh, now I got coffee stains on my shirt. Got to church. Realized I'd forgotten a date coming up about a church thing that's happening that conflicts with another thing that's happening. And I'm like, come on, how do you forget that date, Kevin? And I'm sitting in the green room before I came on stage. And I'm praying. I'm saying, God, I know you've got something for our church. I think you've got something for me here in this whole self-forgiveness thing. Help me, God, not to define myself by my mistakes. Help me define myself the way you define me. And how does God define us? We've been talking about this a lot for the last eight months or so. God defines us when we become followers of Jesus by our relationship to him. He says, you are adopted into my family. You're my daughter. You're my son. That's how I view you. All this stuff, good or bad that you do, does not change the way I view you. You don't do good and God thinks, oh, now I love you. And then you do bad and God says, yeah, that's what I really thought about you. God views us in relation to our relationship to him as his children, whom he loves, who he gave everything for. So when he forgives us, it's not based on his forgetfulness. It's based on our relationship to him. And then when we mess up, see, this is how we can forgive. We can choose not to define ourselves by that moment, but by our relationship to him. That moment's just a moment in time. It's a moment in history. It might need some work to come out of, but it's a moment. It's not, it's not you. Zig Ziglar said, failure is a moment. It's not a person. That's pretty good. I like that. That Zig, he's, he's got a cool name too. I might change my name. Zig Finkbeiner. That could work. <laughs> now, I want us to let this idea sink in because most of us weren't taught forgiveness like this. Let's just be honest. We were taught forgiveness in the idea of a scale. The extent to which they make it right defines whether or not I will forgive them. So someone comes to me, they've hurt me, they say, I'm so sorry, will you forgive me? We think, well, at least you came to me, that's something, so I will start the process of, okay, maybe I could forgive you a little bit, but you better make reparations, you better show me, you better do the dishes for a week, or do my laundry, or, you know, and I'm not going to say that, um, and yeah, <laughs> have makeup conversation, um, She got it. Her husband just said, woohoo! But we don't view forgiveness as not defining someone by that moment. We hold on to that moment. We keep that moment in our pocket, and then when they hurt us again, we pull that moment back out. And we add to that moment, and add to that moment, and add to that moment, because we think we're holding something against them, but really, we're holding a rock that begins to weigh us down. And so Paul who went around planting churches, talks to these churches about how to live in harmony with other people, how to live in harmony with God and then in relationship to each other. And here's what Paul says in Colossians chapter 3. He says, bear with each other. That word bear means put up with each other. Put up with each other. He's like, hey, there's a lot of you. You're quirky. You got stuff. Put up with each other. Bear with one another. And this is how you do it. Forgive. Choose not to define them by that one misspoken word, that one wrong action, that one painful deed. Don't define them by that. Forgive one another. If anyone has grievance against someone, 
And then he says it. He says, forgive in the same way that God chose to forgive you. How did God choose to forgive us? He did not define us by our worst moment. He defined us by our relationship to him. He says we can choose to forgive. We can choose. Doesn't mean we forget. By the way, it it doesn't mean that we enter back into an unhealthy or unhelpful relationship. My kids listen to this CD. It's like, it's a Christian CD. It's called Adventures in Odyssey. It's stories about this whole group of people who are like having this adventure. They have an ice cream store. It's very, very fun. And there was this one, Adventures in Odyssey, about forgiving. Usually I like these. I really like them. But this one really kind of struck me as odd. It was this boy and this girl on the playground, and the boy kept pulling the girl's hair. So he'd pull her hair, and she'd be like, ow! And he said, that's how it was, ow! And he said, I'm sorry. And she said, I forgive you. And then like 10 seconds later, ow! I'm sorry. I forgive you. Ow! I'm sorry. I forgive you. I wanted to scream from the driver's seat. Get away from that devil child! (laughs) He keeps pulling your hair! Stop it! Forgiveness is not the same as entering back into an unhealthy relationship. Move away! Right? If he's abusing you, move away! If, if she's, if, if your spouse is running around, it doesn't stop, doesn't try to space your, don't, you don't put yourself in places of pain. This is what we try to teach our kids. No one has the right to abuse you, as we tell our children. No one has the right to do that. Tell an adult, don't go back to that situation. Move away. That's not forgiveness. That's called reconciliation, when we restore a relationship. And restoration or reconciliation only happens when both parties come together, not when that little devil child is pulling that girl's hair. Say, move away. Move away. So forgive. I want to I talk about three different categories of forgiveness. And then what God says is the response to those three categories. And I'm going to spend a little bit of time on the first category and a little bit of time on the third category because either extreme we're usually pretty good at. It's the second category that trips us up. And I'm gonna, so we're going to spend a lot of time there. The first category is like everyday offenses. What do I do with an everyday offense? Well, Paul says, bear with one another. Put up with one another. Listen, people wrong us every day. We wrong other people every day. It's part of the human experience. It's not always intentional. It just happens. It just happens, right? You get cut off on the freeway. It just happens. That's an everyday offense. Someone gives you a sideways look in a staff meeting. It just, it just happens sometimes. You finally husband seat. You finally do the dishes like for a night and your wife doesn't just like fall down on her knees and praise you for how gifted you are and how great you are for doing the dishes. And you're like, what the heck? I'm not doing that again. It's an everyday offense, okay? Move away, move away, move away. Someone recently uh, at church, um, we had our our 2004 Accord. It's a sweet ride, 2004 Accord at the church. And someone accidentally opened their door into ours, put a little ding into it. You know what? Whatever. You know what I didn't do? I didn't come up on stage and be like, hey, I don't know who did it, but God does. <laughs> and I just want you to know I forgive you. Ah. No, 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 no. Listen, listen. What do you do with an everyday offense? What do you do? You just, you just let it go. You, you, you go Elsa on that bad boy, right? You just... <laughs> 
Don't hold it back anymore. Just let it go. Category one offenses can be dealt with quickly through private prayer and forgiveness and release. That's it. Easy, easy. Let it go. Done. You don't need to pull the guy over who cut you off. Be like, I want you to know I prayed about it. I forgive you. Okay? Because by the time you say that, he's already punched you in the face. Seriously, you let it go. Here's what you say. Something like this. As a Jesus follower, you say, God, I just got cut off. I am so thankful that you don't define me by my worst moments. I'm going to choose not to define that person by their worst moments. I forgive them and you let it go. God, somebody opened their car door into mine. Oh, you know what? I've done that. I've done that. I've done that. You know, we get off. It's like, that's pretty good. Let it go. Let it go. So she didn't take out the garbage. Let it go. It's not a fight. Let's not pick a big fight about this. Some of us, though, let's, can we just be honest? Someone posts something on Facebook you don't agree with politically? Uh-oh. Oh, okay. <laughs> right about it. No, no, don't do that. No, no, no. Let it go. Let it go. Don't hold it back anymore. Let it go. Let it go. It's not helping you. Here's the deal. Some of us hold on to these everyday offenses, and they're tiny. They're tiny. They're tiny. They're like feathers. They're like paper. And you hold it, and then you hold it, and then you hold it. After a while, though, even paper begins to get heavy. And you're going to find yourself bitter and angry and alone, and the whole world's out to get me, and even that lady cut me off, and even at church somebody didn't say hi to me, and oh my gosh, that's got to be exhausting. Let it go. Done. I said I was going to spend a little time, but that was a little more. Listen, if you're not a follower of, 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 of Jesus, that then this is optional, but it's good advice. But if we're Jesus followers, and we understand the depths of God's forgiveness to us, this is kind of a no-brainer. Let it go. Category two, painful or ongoing. This is getting a little bit heavier. You confide in a trusted friend. They confide your confession. And then, that was nice. And another trusted friend... Your spouse says something that hurts you. Let it go. I don't even care. Honestly, if one of your phones goes off and I feel like dancing, I will dance right now. So if you get the whip nay on there, get it going. I will dance for you. A spouse hurts you. Um, you're at work and your boss keeps abusing your time. Or you're an employer and an employee keeps being disrespectful. Ongoing offenses or painful offenses. What do we do with those? You can't just let it go. If it's ongoing, it's going to by definition, keep on going. And those painful ones can actually wound us fairly deeply. So what do we do with those? God actually gives us a plan on how to forgive in that process. I want to lay this out because this is where a lot of us get stuck. We assume some painful and ongoing offenses are everyday offenses, so we let them go and then they build up and they hurt us. But listen, take note. If it hurts, if it's painful, and if it's ongoing, you got to do something about it. Here's what Jesus himself says about what to do in this situation. In Matthew chapter 18, if your brother or sister sins, go to that person, point out their fault. I love this. Just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. Here's what God is saying in this. The first step is initiate the reconciliation attempt. Reconciliation is a big word that means to bring back together two unlike things. When there's a, a rift, when there's a break, when there's pain, you have separation. To restore or to reconcile is to bring those two things back together. And Jesus says, when you realize there's a break, it's your responsibility 
to go to that person, not to wait for them to come to you. How many of us have wasted a night, a weekend, a week, a month waiting for them to come to us? Thinking, well, I didn't do anything wrong. It's not my fault. They hurt me. How's that working for you? That's just hurting you, honestly. So he says, go to them. Two, go in private. Go in private. It feels so good when someone comes to me and says, Kevin, there's this thing that you did or said or whatever, and it hurt me. And I want to tell you, you're the first person that I've talked to about it. Now contrast that with, and I've gotten this one too. Hey, Kevin, my life group and I have been talking, dot, dot, dot. Hey, Kevin, a lot of us feel this way, dot, dot, dot. Hey, Kevin, you know, you really hurt me. And I was talking to so-and-so to try to help me process this pain. And then, and then they didn't know what to do. So I talked to this person and this person, this person. And we all decided that you're a big fat jerk. Boy, I can't wait to, to fix this relationship. Go in private. Go in private. I'll tell you what. Anytime you ever say to me, Kevin, my life group and I were talking, and, or Kevin, a group of us decided that immediately my walls have gone up. Now, I'll work hard to get them back down, but they've gone up. And anytime you go to someone else and says, you know what, you really hurt me, and so-and-so and I were talking about it, and someone's wall's gone up. Now, they can work hard to get them back down, but why put the wall up? 90% of the time, we don't need to process this, right? Christians are good at processing things. We know what to do. Go to the person privately. Go with a spirit that wants to restore the relationship. The goal of going, point three, the goal of going is not to be proved right. The goal of going is to go in a spirit that wants to reconcile 90% of fights, 90% of hurts can be fixed by following Jesus' steps. He says there is a caveat. There are certain times when there's either so much hurt or so much pain that you need to bring in a third party. Most of us think, I don't know if I could do that. I'll tell you, I've done it before. Maria and I have gotten into a big enough uh, fight that it just wasn't, we weren't fixing it. Day one, day two, we realized we intellectually want to make it right. If you don't know who Maria is, she's my wife, by the way. Um, she's not one of our staff or anything. Like, I don't know if that makes it worse or better. Just being real. So you know what we did? We, got, we, we, could not, we couldn't fix it. We kept doing this, even though we wanted to fix it. You know what we did? We said, all right, time out. We called a friend that we both trusted. And we knew this person enough to say, hey, we're not at our best moment right now. We're in a fight that we can't fix. Would you come over? Would you sit with us in this moment? Help us work through it? And our friend did at 6.30 in the morning. And it was that third party that fixed it. Sometimes our biggest things, we can't get out of it on our own. There's too much pain, too much hurt. We're too close to the situation. We can't see the forest for the trees. And in that situation, Jesus says, bring in a third party. Bring in a third party, a neutral third party that can help. And then he says, bring in or begin the reconciliation process immediately, immediately, when you realize something's gone wrong. Matthew 5, 23, Jesus says, Therefore, in the same idea, if you're offering your prayer at the altar, if you're at a prayer service, at worship, and you remember, my brother or sister has something against me this time, leave your gift there. Go and be reconciled or restored to that person. Then come back to church and offer your prayer. Could you imagine? Could you, ma- could you imagine walking into a church service 
and then realizing someone has something against me. I've hurt someone. Getting up right in the middle of my message, walking out and fixing it. Jesus says it's that important that we don't wait because the more we hold on to it, the more it begins to rob us of freedom. So go immediately. And then Romans chapter 12, I just want to give one more, one more piece. Paul says this, if at all possible, as far as depends on you, live at peace. People won't always reconcile. They won't always want to forgive. Maybe they're not ready. Maybe there's too much pain. But as far as depends on us, we can live at peace with everybody. I want to encourage you, if you find yourself here, as I've been talking, if someone came to your mind, don't let the sun go down today without at least beginning this process. It might not finish today, but we can start it today. The third category, as we wrap up, is dreadful injustice. By God's grace, we don't all go through this every day. I'm talking about things like your child being killed, rape, abuse, being cheated on. We're talking about those like life-changing moments where someone robs something from you that you can't ever get back. But my heart is heavy when I think about this category. And here's what I would say. And this is going to sound a little bit, maybe a little bit trite, and I don't, I don't want it to, because honestly, this is, this is the best I can figure as I read through the Bible. When you experience something like that, forgiveness looks like radical release. Radical release. And here's what I mean, and this is in your notes. When someone wrongs us, we need to somehow release that person to God. Romans chapter 12, we were just reading it a second ago, continues on by saying this, don't take revenge, but leave room for God's wrath. Because it's written, it's mine to avenge, I will repay. This doesn't mean that we We don't seek justice or we don't create space in our lives. But I think what God is saying here is that some pain is so deep, so hurt, so life-changing that you can't actually go back to that person to reconcile. Maybe it wouldn't be safe to go. Maybe that person has no desire to. They took something from you and they wanted to. What do you do in those moments? The invitation of God is release that person to me knowing, and this is what God is saying in Romans 12, knowing that I am completely just and completely full of grace. And in my justice and in my grace, I will find a way to work this out. And here's why it's so important for those of us who are Jesus followers to, in the best way we can, say, God, I need to release that person for you to take care of, however you choose to do it in your grace and in your justice. The reason why that's so important is What God wants for us in that moment is healing. Healing. And healing can't happen as long as we're hanging on to that person, hanging on to that offense, hanging on to that thing that they did to us. As long as you're hating your spouse for betraying you, as long as you're hating that person for robbing you of your innocence, of your childhood, as long as you're hanging on to that, You don't have space for God to do the healing in your life. God wants to heal. He doesn't want you to live there forever. 
We're told that one of God's titles is he is the great healer who heals the places of pain and brokenness in our lives. And I would say to you, if you find yourself in category three, the healing work that God wants to do might be work that God wants to do in partnership with a great counselor, a great therapist. And here's why I say categories one and three, um, we, don't, we don't hit these as much. One, category three doesn't happen to as many of us, but when category three injustices happen, we know that this is a game changer for us. And I would say this, this is a great place to seek healing from a, with a professional. We have great Christian counselors in our church. Great, I look out and I see a couple of you here today. Christian therapists who love God, who know God, who have been trained professionally in how to help us experience God's healing. In fact, on the back of our program, one of our counselors has office hours here at the church. His name's Marty. I've seen people find freedom from him. If you find yourself in category three, seek Christian counseling. Email me. My email address is on the back. I'll get you a list of counselors to take some next steps. We're told that in the process of letting someone go, we open our hand up to experience the healing of God. And in category three, that's the biggest prayer I have for you. Now, healing is not something that we do on our own. Forgiveness is not something we do on our own. We didn't create it. We didn't master it. Forgiveness comes from God. It originated with God. It was always part of God's plan. We're told that when we were far from God, when we were his enemies, when, when we had broken relationship, that God actually forgave us. How did he do it? He did it by giving himself on our behalf, by leaving heaven and coming to earth, and Jesus Christ living a perfect life, and then giving his life on a cross to pay the penalty for our sin so that we could experience the forgiveness of God, so that we would not be defined by our worst moments by our sin anymore, but we'd be defined by our relationship to him. And if you've never entered into a relationship with God, a personal relationship with him, where you've moved from God being this distant deity to God being your forgiver, your healer, your perfect heavenly father, then I want to give you a chance to do that right now as we wrap our time up together. Some of us are here today and we've got some deep wounding. And I want to tell you, the first two categories of forgiveness, you can probably do a pretty good job on your own of forgiving. But that third category of forgiveness, it takes the supernatural hand of God to empower you to be able to forgive at that level. It just does. And then it takes the supernatural hand of God to heal in that time. And boy, I want healing for us. That's what I want for you. That's what I want for me. And God is good and he will do it. If you're ready to make a decision to give your life to God, you can pray the simple prayer with me. Let's just, let's just join together in prayer. I want to pray for all of us first, and then I want to give you a chance to enter into a relationship with God. But first I want to pray... God, there are some of us in this room and category one forgiveness gets us tripped up. We find ourselves taking offense all the time and it's actually creating in us a bitterness and a negativity and a, um, a skepticism that we don't want. For my friends who find ourselves here, would you empower us to, to let those little offenses go in light of the forgiveness that you've given to us. Would you empower us to be able to do that so that we could experience a little more freedom and a little more joy? I'm guessing there's a group of us here today, Lord, and someone came to mind in category two. 
If that's you this morning, I pray for God's courage and for sensitivity for you this morning. As you seek to go, go to that person privately and seek to restore the relationship. God, would you empower us with courage, humility, and a sensitivity to you and to the other person in that conversation. And would you give us the courage to go today? For my friends in category three, this may have nicked up something very real and very raw. Holy Spirit, would you continue the deep healing work that you want to do in our lives? Would you get my friends in contact with a professional, a counselor who could walk them towards you and help them experience your healing? so that we could tell stories of how you overcome life-changing moments. And if you're here and you're ready to give your life to God, to start this journey with him, you can invite him into your life by praying this prayer. Simply repeat after me this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, I know you love me. I know you gave your life for me. And I want to have a relationship with you. So would you come into my life? God, would you forgive me of my sins? Would you show me how to walk with you every day from this day forward? I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.